I'd like to say, first of all, thank you, Pastor Michael and Derek and Kendall, for allowing me the opportunity to uh, share with all of you this morning the word as we're continuing our study through the book of Acts. And Pastor Howie, uh, Pastor Michael, I'm sorry, I got to tell you, this was really the most physically painful sermon I've ever put together. Uh, it didn't happen until the very end, but last night I, I was getting ready to, to finish things up, and I had all the, the PowerPoints going to go through them one more time and just make sure everything was good there. And Ilya was ready for bed, and so. Picked up my stuff, gathered all my things, was going to go downstairs for a few minutes, and our house is kind of a split level, and so you go from the bedroom down to the main level there, and um, started to head that way and head down there, and 10.45 at night, my brain remembered that we only have three stairs, supposedly, that go from our bedroom to the bottom. Turns out we have seven stairs, <laughs> and so carrying all my stuff, I, I began to walk and step normally, and I crashed down, and, and I, was, I was falling. I had two thoughts in my head. The first was protect the computer, make sure it's okay, you know, keep it above water, balance it. The second was I've got to scream like a small child. And so as I'm falling, I, I begin to yell, ah, you know, and I, I hit the ground and Ilya flies out of the bedroom, you know, ready to perform CPR or fight off a tiger. She was ready to go, but, but I'm okay. Thankfully, everything's good now. And she was there looking after me. And so appreciate that. But uh, that, was a, that was a rough finish to the night. But but we're all good this morning. Again, I, I, I do thank you for allowing me to be here and, and speak this morning and just go ahead and get it out of the way. Um, all of our members were used to a certain quality of joke before the sermon, and I, I don't have that. I'm not going to attempt it. I just, so, sorry about that. Um, yeah. But, uh, but let's jump in right into the word here. And to kind of give us some background, we know Luke wrote the book of Acts, and so as he's writing this, what he's going to do is, is retell about an event that happened. He's writing about Peter, and Peter had just gone uh, to Joppa and was visiting there, and he, and something happened that would forever change all of eternity. And so Peter's done this, and we'll read about it here, but now he's going to go back to Jerusalem, and he's going to retell it. And, P and Luke records the event, then he records the retelling of the event, because it is so very important for even us today. So this event, and it's it's important. One of the things, you know, we work with kids, and one of the things I want to mention is we talk to them, and we make sure and call these, the things we read in the Bible, these are events. They're not Bible stories. They sound like, you know, it sounds like make-believe or, or, you know, just some sci-fi fantasy. These aren't Bible stories. These are biblical events. These are things that really happened, that the writers record. So just think about that, just a little side note. But, um, but let's go ahead and jump in. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. And we're looking at the Gentile salvation defended as Peter defends himself. If you would follow along with me, it's up on the screen or in your Bibles there. Luke writes, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in an orderly sequence saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet, lowered by four corners from the sky. And Peter goes on, and it came right down to me, and when I had fixed my gaze on it, and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, and the wild beasts, and the crawling creatures, and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill, and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for I... For nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. 
But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. Peter continues there, this happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me as we entered the man's house. So Peter's saying, look, these, these fellow Christians came with me. We're all, we all went together. But he goes on, and he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak the words to you by which you will be saved, you and your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And as Peter finishes up here, he says this. He says, therefore, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? that I could stand in God's way. When they heard this, the men of Jerusalem, they quieted down and they glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Again, that is Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. I was thinking about this and the idea of, of visions and what that looks like and, and how God uses those. And I was thinking about dreams, you know, just dreams I've had. And, and uh, there's one event in my life, I, I don't know if, I don't believe it was a message from God, but I don't know what happened. But um, several years ago, uh, my brother took his, his church from Sterling, Colorado, on a mission trip out to Chicago. They're on the, uh, the south side there, and they were involved in some urban ministry, and we had some experience. And so he asked if I wanted to tag along, and I said, sure, that sounds great. I'd love to be a part of it. And so fly in Monday morning, and we get there, and we're, you know, we work all day, and we serve. And it comes time, the end of the night, it's, it's time to go to bed, wrap up, and there's four of us in the in the hotel room, four of us guys, for two beds. And so, you know, queen-size beds, you do what guys do. You sleep head to toe, you don't touch each other, you gotta, you know, be separate. And so, you know, early in the early the, in the morning, you know, midnight, 1, 2 a.m., something like that, I don't know what happened, what, what I was dreaming about, but I had to fight. And I reached out, grabbed, and I just started shaking back and forth as hard as I could, as furious as I could. I had to do something. I don't know what was going on. And my brother lifted his head, said, dude, and that was it. I let go. We both went back to sleep, and we try not to talk about it anymore. <laughs> but I have no idea what I was dreaming about or what kind of vision I had, but something was going on there. But, um, but the idea of visions, Peter has a vision from God, and something powerful is about to happen. And so we see that. He goes and meets with Cornelius, and we'll talk about it more here. But let's go ahead and jump into the first point that we see there in this section of scripture, and it's this. Immaturity in the church caused the believers to miss God's miraculous working. This is the first thing, and it's so important for us today as a church, wherever we're at, but as a local church, to understand this. As we read the scripture there in the first couple of verses, it says this, Now the apostles and brethren who were throughout Judea and the heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So Peter's there north, He's going to come back to Jerusalem, go through the region of Judea, and everybody's there gathered, and they're hearing, hey, these guys aren't Jewish, but they're hearing about Jesus Christ. They're going to get saved. And it says, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised, the Jewish believers, took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. 
They didn't care that they got saved. They didn't care that their eternity was forever changed through salvation. They said, hey, you spent time with those guys. You went into their house. Those people are dirty. They're unclean. We don't fellowship with those guys. We're supposed to stay away from them. Now, you're not going to find that in the Old Testament. Where you find that are from the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Their ritual cleaning laws and say, no, we can't have anything to do with those people. They're dirty. They're gross. So they weren't focused on the excitement of seeing people saved. They were so bogged down in their rituals and traditions that they missed it. And church, we have to be very careful. As we get bogged down with life, with things going on, our, our focus, our immaturity, our focus on things that don't matter, we miss what God is doing. And the first point here is that these men, they just missed it. They didn't see the salvation. They weren't excited about it. You ate with those dirty people. We can't have that. And so it's interesting as we look at Peter. One of the things I love about Peter is that he's, he's real. He's a fisherman, you know, no, no real schooling, education, but he just he followed Jesus around. He always tried to be there. He stuck his neck out. He's the guy who stepped out of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. Granted, he sank, but he did attempt it. Peter's the one who said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, to death. They're never going to take you. I will stand and fight for you. He whipped out his sword and lopped the guy's ear off as a soldier came to try to arrest Jesus. But then Peter denied him three times. He said, I never knew the guy. This instance, Peter does exactly what God wants from him. He goes up, and he meets with these Gentile men, and he spends time with them, teaches them about Christ, Brings him to a point of salvation. But look what happens. Paul writes a little bit later of Peter falling back into a trap. It says, but when Cephas, this was Paul writing, another name for, for uh, Peter was Cephas. said, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Pretty serious. It says, because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof fearing the party of circumcision. But the rest of the Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, in the presence of all of them, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? Paul's writing that Peter is doing the exact same thing that he knew that he shouldn't be doing. He falls into this trap again, and it's, it's just interesting for us to see that because it's like us. We go, we do what's right, we're on a mountaintop with God, we're all excited, we've been worshiping him, we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, but then we get focused on our stuff, and we begin to miss it. We begin to get straight, we begin to focus on the things that just don't matter, on the things that bog us down, that keep us from being a part of God's ministry. And it's just, it's, I appreciate the Bible because it doesn't, paint a picture of superheroes. It doesn't paint a picture of perfect men doing totally amazing things by their own power. It paints a picture of men and women that are real, that have sin in their life, that have fallen short, that make mistakes, that, that do dumb stuff. And so do all of we. And so we have that, and it's just, for me, it's refreshing, and it's helpful to know that this God, even though Peter stumbled, even though he denied, even though he fell short even though he turned his ways and, and got caught up in a lunch table situation. God still loved him. God still forgave him. And God still used him to be a part of his, his ministry. So let's keep going there. The second point that we see here 
is this. Peter was prepared to defend God's working in his own life and in the lives of others. As we read the scripture here, that next little section, it says, But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in an orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. And it came right down to me, and when I had fixed my gaze on it and observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts crawling, creatures and the birds of the air. So he's explaining to him what happened. It's important to see there as we, as we go back there that Peter, being a fisherman, being just his personality, he could have exploded. He could have went off. He could have fired up on him and gotten in their faces, but it says he doesn't do that. It says he proceeded to explain to them in an orderly sequence. He was prepared. He was ready to go. He knew that these people, as immature and focused on the things that don't matter, that they were going to miss it. And so Peter is prepared. He's ready to explain it to them and make it very clear. But I was thinking about the idea of, of, of images and how they can really give us some important information. I was thinking about some things. You see this, and, and one thing that an image does is, is brings us emotion. Images bring emotion. You see that, you think, yeah, America, you know, Statue of Liberty, American flag. It brings about some pride in our own lives. We think, yeah, that's great. So images bring emotion. You see this, you see a guy, it's the international sign for choking. You see that all, you think it calls us to action. I need to help this man who's choking here. Really quick side note here, it's funny, I was just Googling these and the international sign for choking for the sports fans out there. All the Google images I had originally were Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo in the playoffs. But, but, uh, but I, I dug through and found that one. But it calls us, the choking, it calls us to action. The final thing, so we see their images call us, they stir emotion in us. They bring about a feeling of excitement or whatever. They call us to action, they call us to do something. The final one here is they can tell us a message. In this case, the message would be that Ilea is pregnant. And we want to share that with all of you. So, yeah. So that's, uh, that's coming March 2016. It's still very early, but we felt like if there's anybody we could share it with, it's our church family who we love, and we know they're going to uh, be through it with us, the higher lows, whatever else happens. So we just want to share that with you and say thank you, but let's jump back into it. Images, they stir emotion in us, they make us feel excited or happy, they, they stir us to action, or they relate a message to us. And the bottom line we come back to that is that Peter was prepared. Later on in the scripture, Paul writes this. He says, be prepared at all times to give a reason for the hope that you have. Why we believe what we believe. So that we can stand up, so that we can speak the word of God to this world that desperately needs to hear him. We have to be ready, church. We have to be prepared. It means not being so focused on the things that don't matter. But looking at the eternal things. So let's keep going here. The third point is that Peter wrestled with obedience. It's very relatable. We all, we all deal with this. But let's read the scripture here in Acts chapter 11. It says, I also, this is Peter talking, I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Not a lot of people can, can tell God no. 
Not a lot of people can say, nope, God, I'm not doing that. Those things are dirty. I'm staying away from them. Peter had a, a pretty special relationship as we went through it. He denied Christ. God accepted him. God offered him forgiveness. He did all these other things. Here he tells God no. God forgave him. When we're disobedient, we miss God's ministry. We miss being a part of that. And that's what this next section of scripture here, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And listen to his words as he talks about why believers are here, why we're here, what purpose we have. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Church, when we're disobedient to God, when we say, God, no, I, I don't want to do your stuff. I can't deal with it. I can't focus on that. I need to take care of myself, my life, my whatever. We miss being a part of God's ministry. The scripture says that God has laid these things out for us to be a part of, for us to celebrate in seeing eternal salvation, for us to celebrate in seeing the world change. But when we're so focused on us, we miss it. And we miss being a part of God's ministry. We miss these great things that would be blessings to us, that would be encouraging to us. So church, just like Peter, we all struggle with obedience. It happens. But how do we do that? We humble ourselves. We pray to God, God, show me what you would have for me. Guide me in a way that would allow me to see your work in this world and allow me to be a part of that ministry. So as we keep going there, we see that. That Peter struggled, but eventually he gets it right. Let's look at this next section here. God put the plan of salvation into motion before Peter or Cornelius could understand. Again, this is, a, this is Peter's retelling of this event where he goes to, Cornor, uh, to uh, Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile. He was a Roman soldier, one of the leaders in the, in the, uh, the army there, centurion, had a hundred men under him that he served over. But he goes to his house, explains the gospel, even though he didn't understand. Let's look at, look at the scripture and, and see how, it all, how God worked it all out. It's pretty amazing. He talks about the sheet. It says, this happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who was also called Peter, brought here, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all of your household. Cornelius didn't know Peter, didn't know that he was some old church guy that, you know, did his religion thing and I should be a part of that. He had no idea. But he knew that he should be obedient when this angel appeared he was obedient. He sent for this man named Peter. And Peter was obedient to God. It took him a little bit, but eventually he was obedient. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. And he went without any hesitation, without any misgivings. Didn't question it, but he went. So God put the plan of salvation into motion before Peter or Cornelius understood. I think that's important for us to see. As we look at that scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, it's a chance for us to be involved in the ministry that God has had laid out. There is no doubt it wasn't random chance that these men showed up at Peter's at the house where Peter was staying and said, oh, you're Peter, why don't you come with us? It didn't happen by chance. It wasn't coincidence. God had this planned out. 
And Peter had to be obedient, as did Cornelius, so that Cornelius and eventually his entire household could be saved. As we continue along here in this section of Scripture, the fifth point is this. God confirms the gift of salvation through the Holy Spirit and those who believe. We see that in the Scripture here, and it's important for us to understand how the Holy Spirit works in all of this. It says, And as I began to speak, this is Peter talking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. If you remember back to Acts, the early, the early events that happened, the Holy Spirit came down like a rushing wind, with fi- like tongues of fire above the people's head. The same Holy Spirit that was on those original Jewish believers is now on these Gentiles. And he says, And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's just kind of explaining it all out, saying, Look, the Holy Spirit is doing this work, and who are we to deny that? God is doing a great thing here, and we, we see the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit does is confirm salvation in us. Paul, again, writing to the church in Ephesus, he has this to say. He says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. That means the Holy Spirit has signed and sealed us. We are God's when we believe. And we have the Holy Spirit as believers in us as a promise of our eternity. God sends his Holy Spirit down on us to lead us, to guide us. You read Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, and he's excited for the Holy Spirit to come. He says, I must go so the Holy Spirit can come, and he's going to convict you of sin. He's going to point out what you've done wrong. He's going to illuminate the Scripture for you. He's going to guide you and make the way, and that is God inside of us. That same Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago is the same Holy Spirit that we have today living in us as believers. It truly is an amazing thing. So God confirms the salvation through the Holy Spirit in those who believe, who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. We are God's forever. Amen? Amen. All right, the final thing we see here is that God's truth and God's love silenced all doubt. These men still fed up with Peter eating at the the dirty people's house, in the end, as we see here, would have nothing to say. Peter finishes up his defense. He says, therefore, if God gave them the same gift as he gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Peter is getting real smart real quick. After denying and, and disobeying, he gets it. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, the group there, the Jerusalem uh, group there, the Jewish man, it says, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Church, this is, this is forever changing. This is life changing for us. These events all are a part of God's ministry of reconciliation to see this lost and dying world saved. That includes you and I. And church, we are to be a part of God's ministry here. So as we finish up that section of scripture, that final point, God's truth and God's love silence all doubt. There's no doubt in our mind that that Jesus Christ came for all mankind. 
lived a perfect life without any sin and willingly went to the cross to be that payment for us so that we could be saved, so that we could have eternity without being separated from God. The first thing we see here as we finish up today, a couple of take-home points, things to think about this week, is don't let your doubts hinder others' obedience. In that same breath, don't let others' doubts hinder your obedience. When Peter, when Luke writes the first time this, this happened and Peter's going through it for the first time, it says that he knew that some people were going to have issue with it. He knew that it wasn't quite, quite right based on their ritualistic laws. Hey, I can't do that. I can't fellowship with you. I can't stay here. But in the end, he was obedient. Not to men. Not, tra- not to tradition. He was obedient to God. If you feel God working in your life, there's going to be time where people doubt. Uh, no, you know. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be ministering there. Leave, forget them. They don't need to be saved. They're bad. There's, there's no way God's going to fix them. You need to leave it all. Just get away, get away from them. Get out of there. If you know that God has called you to, obe- to do something, you need to be obedient. Even when others doubt. There's a, uh, a, um, a missionary that I, that I studied about in school that really stuck, stuck with me. His name was William Carey. An Englishman known as the father of modern missions. He was a, you know, grew up there in England, went to school and everything, uh, began a family with his wife. They had several children, and he felt God's calling on his life to go to India. He ended up being the first missionary to India, where it was a lot of disease, a lot of things that they were uncertain of, but he felt like this is what God would have from, for him. Even his wife said, no, I'm not going. I'm about to give birth again to another child. I, I'm not going with you. Eventually... He says as the time was getting very close and they were getting ready to leave, he finally convinced his wife to come along to be a part of that ministry. And so she was obedient. But they get there after a, a string of travels and, and mishaps and things going wrong. They get there to India and they begin to experience these diseases. They lose a couple of children. His wife, being unable to deal with it all, goes into what they describe as a mental breakdown. Becomes angry, becomes violent. And so others say, well, William, why don't you just send your wife back to England and put her in a care facility where she'll be taken care of? And he said, no, I'm going to be the husband to her that I'm supposed to be. He's being obedient. And so he spent his, his life with her, trying to take care of her while being a missionary there in India. And he was obedient to, the, obedient to God's calling on his life, despite others' doubts. Despite others saying, no, you've got to get out of there. It's not a good thing. He knew what God would have for him. And now at this point... Like I said, he's known as the father of modern missions. There are nine different seminaries and, and Bible colleges throughout the world named after this guy because of the work that he has done. He's seeing all kinds of salvations happen from the time he was there and continued on from that. God did a great work through him because he was obedient. So don't let your doubt hinder others' obedience to God. And don't let others' doubt hinder your obedience. The second kind of take-home point, the thing I really hope we focus on this week is this. I hope that you pray that God will open your eyes to His working in the lives of others around you. What I mean is this. We're so focused on me and my stuff and my family and the things I've got to do and, and all these things that we miss what God is doing. Talk to your friends. Talk to your coworkers. Talk to your family members. See what God is doing in their lives. There might be somebody who's just waiting for someone to mention Jesus Christ to talk about salvation. They know that they need to be saved. 
see what God would have for you. How you can be a part of God's ministry on this earth. Because that's, as believers, while we're still here, what we were called to do. To be a part of his working on this earth. The final thing this morning as we finish up here is this. Understand that God has presented the gift of salvation to all mankind. As we heard already, John 3.16, Jesus Christ came to this world, died on the cross for all men, that all men would be saved. Jesus came to this world as a willing sacrifice to bring back the relationship that we broke in our sin, in our disobedience to God. Jesus Christ came to this earth and paid that price. Church, no matter the person, whether we like them or not, God loves them. And God wants them to be saved. God wants them to know him. And we get a chance to be a part of that. It truly is an amazing thing. So as we finish up here, I'm going to pray in just a moment. We've, um, I hope you see this. I hope you learn from this event that Peter needed to be obedient even when others would be upset about it. Even when others would be angry, he was going to be obedient. And that's the bottom line for us. Church, we can't be focused on the things that don't matter, the unimportant things of life. We'd all agree that things are getting worse here. This world is getting further and further away from God, and time is short. But we know the Savior, and we've got to share the message. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. God, I thank you for how much you love us. God, thank you for those of us in this building this morning, God, that are believers that have come to Jesus Christ, have come to you saying, God, I I know that I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Lord, thank you for saving us. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that if there is one in here this morning that does not know you, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would get a hold of them. God, I pray that you would make it clear in their lives that they need to be saved. God, I pray that for us as believers that we would be obedient. God, we would quit focusing on the things that don't matter. And we would be focused on you, your work, and your ministry. God, let us push the foolish things aside. Lord, we love you and we give you the praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.